the pressure's on for those leading churches to to hit a whole kind of expectations uh, that weren't there prior to then. And frankly, it's a it's a moving target today. From the pages of Church Growth Magazine, helping church leaders implement their vision, this is the Church Growth Magazine podcast with your host, Brian Boyd. This is Church Growth Magazine podcast. And uh, this week we have a great guest, Doug Murin, who is a contributor to the magazine. Hi, Doug. Thank you for coming today. Hi. Hi, it's good to be with you today. Always, always great. Well, listen, uh, you have a, a great article in this month's edition of the magazine. But before we get to that, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't have you give a little bit about yourself. Um, I have your bio in front of me, but actually, if I read the whole thing, we'd run out of time on the on the podcast. Um, but you've authored 16 books, you've spoken, you've consulted. Um, tell us, you know, a little bit more about, about who you are. Well, I'm... I, uh, I'm a church planter. I've actually planted about a dozen churches and other people took, you know, most of them over. I installed leaders in a lot of them. So I've, I've done that, but I, uh, spent the larger part of my ministry in Seattle in a suburb. I planted a church called Eastside Foursquare Church, which is still going strong. I left there. Love Seattle. Yeah. Right outside Seattle. And we saw, at least 30,000 people meet Christ there. We were, I'm an evangelist uh, more really than a, your standard uh, variety pastor. And so we did, a, I think we populated Seattle with 13 churches and I saw about 30,000 conversions. And then I've worked with wow. uh, uh, a free Methodist. I've led a free Methodist church in Boise, Idaho for a period of time. Uh, seeking to uh, kind of restore it and bring it back. And when it was solid enough, I I joined a group called uh, the Evangelical, uh, the, the Communion of Evangelical Churches, which is a predominantly African-American uh, church mm-hmm. group and uh, big in Africa too. And I was, I was the only, I was one of two or three Anglos in the group, but I worked right with the founder and director at, uh uh, Harry Jackson, and so I did that. And uh, but I've I've done just a tremendous amount of coaching and consulting with denominations, just every denomination, usually in the area of building systems in your church that lead to outreach. That's love it. Pretty much my specialty. I'm a systems guy as opposed to an events guy. So uh, that's great. Uh, well, the, the magazine is, is built for that. You know, there's. You know the uh, our, what I had said previously in one of our previous podcasts is, as pastors leave seminary, they they've learned how to evangelize and teach, but possibly maybe not all the skills in running a business. And uh, certainly, I don't want to I don't want to blanket that statement against everybody, but but here you're talking about the systems to run a church, and and I think in 2020 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, Things are much different than they were even 10, 15 years ago as far as churches go, Um, especially with the growth of online and streaming. Church isn't just sitting in a pew anymore, I suppose, right? It's, it's, it can, a church can have outreach in many number of ways. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I think the opportunities to do pure evangelism and, and even to, 
build uh, people's faith is is uh, is just amazing to me. There's some new facet to it every year. So let's talk about Seattle for a bit. No, I'm just kidding. I grew up in Seattle. Okay. So I I uh, I grew up in in Seattle. Went to elementary school there and used to watch JP Patches. Oh yeah. On on Cairo TV back in the day. So everybody from Seattle knows exactly what I'm talking about right exactly. now. Everybody else is like, what? Local What's hero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. So uh, in uh, this month's article, you, you talked about helping uh, helping uh, uh, congregants want to return next week. Um, is that an issue? Do you feel like people are, are one and done in, in churches today? Yeah, you know, well, most churches I analyze over the years uh, – have have a some some issues with frequency of attendance. Almost every church for the last twenty years has dealt with that, in great part because the expectations, uh, even in Catholic circles where uh, your continued you know uh, ecclesiastical health and status depends on attending mass, uh, that is even weakened a bit, and people tend to. Uh, be quite pragmatic about why they go to church. And I'll use this phrase, I don't get anything from it. And that that started getting pretty serious about 10 to 20 years ago. And people are subconsciously, uh, probably more than consciously, concerned about takeaways. What, what mm, is this? Sure. People don't come and report in before God at all anymore. It's, mm-hmm. you know, what am I going to gain from this? So. The reason for attending a worship service had be- started becoming very pragmatic. Maybe in the early days of the church growth movement, uh, it could have even exacerbated that tendency. So since then, the pressure's on for those leading churches to, right. hit, to hit a whole kind of expectations uh, that weren't there prior to then. And frankly, it's a, it's a moving target today because uh, – uh, even generationally, there are just tremendous differences in expectations right. and hopes from from gathering, and uh, we don't always we're not always able to meet all of our promises. So, I I shifted toward looking at church as systematically. How, what are some of the systems that I saw in the New Testament that you can make into a process that happens? In twenty different channels than just a Sunday morning worship service. What are what are some of those channels, Doug? Well, well, one is, uh, uh, you know, the there there is a there is a, an expectation that your communication on Sunday morning you're going to be somewhat close to a psychoanalyst. <laughs> you know, you're going to, you know, uh, people rely on the church to a great extent more all the time uh, mm-hmm. for their for their emotional well-being and their emotional uh, uh, satisfaction status and and uh, so you you're always having to think I believe today as a communicator if you want to get them back a great deal more on the emotional side of things than on let's say rules or expectations right. or even principles, sure. You know? So, 
But that never totally satisfies anybody because emotions, of course, don't always get to the deep core of a person or use very often don't. But nonetheless, unless you're somehow satisfying some emotional expectations, you're not going to get any further with people. And uh, so, you know, uh, it used to be people would come to church for their kids' sake uh, to a great extent. And I taught for years, have a terrific kids program, and you'll have more people come back and all that. And that was true when I was in Seattle and led that church for 20 years. I mean, we had a state-of-the-art children's ministry that I viewed as outreach. Uh, and and anymore today, for multiplicity of reasons, I'm not so sure that it's not a good – it is a good idea thing, uh, idea to have a superb children's component to your church, but I don't think it's nearly as important as it was, for example, with the baby boomers when they were raising yeah. their kids. I, I just don't think those expectations are there. So those are the kind of things that are moving targets right. uh, with, with the people we're seeking to reach that you face. And people find a lot of the needs we used to be able to reach only in the church, met in many different ways. Our competition is pretty steep, actually. You know, I, there was a article <clears throat> a little side topic here. There's an article uh, in the news this week about late night talk shows. So Doug, you're probably wondering how I'm going to bring this around. Um, but but <laughs> the uh, the war of the late night talk shows and how uh, some hosts, Jimmy Fallon, Corden, et cetera, they're getting you know millions and millions of hits on YouTube. And are they designing their TV shows now to be more popular on YouTube than they are on regular TV. So, so our, our churches having to design their services to be tweetable and Instagrammable more than, um, meeting the needs of the people who are sitting in the pews. Yeah. You know, and you know, I have some thoughts on that. I've thought a great deal about that. And, I, mm-hmm. and I've noticed something. I've been, I'm old enough now I'm able to track uh, the duration where technologies are uh, highly impacting. How long. And uh, the one, one thing I've discovered and I, I really believe is <clears throat> that what happens is the need for high touch never, never leaves a human heart. Okay, so sure. A lot of the technologies and even a lot of the formatting of worship services and whatnot that lean toward experience or even technology are very, very important because they're the portal into people. But I've observed, and I don't think they're all, you know, as long lasting as our need for high touch, for relationships, for connection. So the the task for the church leader today is, yes, you've got to be up on the new ways that people hear, but you can never leave the dynamic of just plain old grassroots community. And mm-hmm. it's a challenge to be able to pull both off at the same time. And then you've got the duration of commitment factor. Uh, which right. which is very low today. I, I, when I left pastoring in Seattle, I had concluded that the most committed people to the church had a three-year commitment that, that that's about the longest they committed to anything. 
if you even watch their kids, they went in three-year cycles, the kinds of commitments they would make to them. And I suspect wow. it may be down to a year. So, <laughs> sure. so the duration of commitment, when we have membership, for example, I did a thing in membership when I started seeing this, that you had to re-up every three years to be a member. Mm-hmm. Because no one made a lifetime commitment to anything. And so mm. I had, oh, I, I, I got a lot of pushback on that, of course. But I was convinced that there is a, there is a duration of commitment that we have to be fully aware of as church leaders. You're just, you're just not going to have a group anymore, I don't think, that's, that you're going to have that many lifelong committed people mm. unless you design into your makeup a recommittal process. So how do how does a church today, you know, the, the readers of our magazine, listeners of our podcast are church leaders and, um, uh-huh. and undoubtedly they have multiple demographics they have to read. You've talked about baby, boomer, baby boomers a minute ago, but we've got millennials. Yeah. We've got Gen, Gen X, Gen Y. How, how do you design a program or a series of programs that reaches all those people at the same time? Is that even possible? I think it's possible, but you have to be, extremely intelligent about it. Uh, I don't think you can imitate successful churches because uh, you can never predict the duration of someone's success for one. And I'm not, and, and things are also not only generational, but very regional mm-hmm. sure. and, uh, and, and very socioeconomic. They've always been that, but they're, they're even more so now. And, and then even, uh, uh, you know, in, in parts of Seattle where I started churches, uh, they were all, you know, white Anglo-American areas, which are now some areas predominantly Asian, Korean, and some mm-hmm. other areas Hispanic. Mm-hmm. And they've worked with a lot of churches that have been in the trauma of changing uh, populaces around them. So uh, it's a it's a moving target. So you have to constantly be deciding what you're going to do, which, which leads me to one of the convictions I have. And that is the only way you can survive in a day like ours as a church for very long is, is you have to lead deliberately. You have to, you have to choose the audience you're going to go for because you're not going to reach everybody, which is what your question originally was. You have to, you have to make a conscious, deliberate chance a shot at take a shot at what is your core audience you're going to go for and then what i did is i in my day i hired sociologists i hired wow. researchers i had george barner work for me because uh, i i began to see that things were getting a little complex and you couldn't survive accidentally that's that's one of the problems with the decline of the church today is we're just a little too unstudied about what we're doing, and we we tend to imitate someone else who looks like they're doing okay and never find out why it is that they're doing better. Why are they reaching more people than we are? And nothing's accidental today. People are quite deliberate in the way they choose. And so you, there's, a, there's a great reality of people groups, and I discovered that a group, has a core population that they will naturally reach given several factors, the, 
the pastor, leaders, the kind of music they have, the denominational doctrinal background has certain different denominations have certain appeals to different personality types if you study it closely. And you can add to your core a few years at a time on either side, I found, or even socioeconomically on either side. But you've got to know what your center is. Who, what is the person that you are going to reach most effectively? And then design your group to add on some of those other features. Now, how is that done? You need a great deal of help to discover that and some solid research, you know, and interaction with the group on a research level. If, you, if you're today, honestly, if you're not researching mm-hmm. your, your group, Right. Regularly with surveys and with finding all the details you can possibly find out about the group, you're going to get behind the game because because it's a moving phenomenon. That's that's a that's a good point. One of uh, our one of our staff members here at the magazine, uh, when we were setting up this uh, uh, this webcast webcast this podcast, sorry. Um, she mentioned that, uh, you really have some, some great thoughts about how to study your crowd, how to study, she called it your crowd. Is that what you're talking about? Your, your, that, that demo, that, that group. Yeah. Yeah. You need to know who it is that you're going to talk to the easiest, but really the nature of our calling is we're Mm -hmm. called to reach everyone. So you don't just discover who you reach the easiest. You might discover how you're going to have to change yourself to communicate more accurately, you know, to what's out in the population, you know, um, for example, tremendous part of our population is addicted to drugs today. And if you don't think that doesn't affect our mission, you're crazy. Cause, cause, uh, if, if you don't have a plan in your church to deal with that, you're, you're going to run into roadblocks all along the way because every family you've got in your church has probably got a heroin addict in it somewhere along, along the way. And we, we assume uh, or we measure our ministry too often, I need to insert this, on the basis of who's in the room at the time rather than who would right. we like to get in the room. And what are the real issues our, our congregants are facing out in the culture they're in, you know? So anyway, I, I don't think I answered your question no, <laughs> specifically that's, that's the great. way you wanted, but, but I, I think, you know, the church has to be incarnational. We have to walk into discovering what's going on around us. There's a, there's a couple churches that I've been watching that have just come out of nowhere and, and had this amazing growth. Um, and there's, there's one in Tulsa I'm thinking of. There's one in Seattle I'm actually thinking of. Uh, what is it that causes a church to come out of nowhere and all of a sudden have such amazing growth and people talking about it and, and you know, virality as far as have, – have you seen that happen recently? Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, right off the top, there is a either conscious or unconscious shift in the understanding of the purpose of the church. Any group that begins to view itself as primarily for outreach or let's say the synonym of evangelism or mission is it's going to grow faster than the church 
that views itself as taking care of the convinced. Our, our model of the community to make strong Christians is, is if you compete with the other churches well for a while, that's great. I've never seen a church be able to do that any more than, say, seven to ten years. And then somebody else gets better at it, and then they all go there. But if you're going to grow, you have to do outreach because I'd, I'd be interested in the day-to-day. I bet it's still pretty close or maybe even more uh, uh, surprisingly uh, troubling. I, I found that if I led someone to Christ at our church, this is a little secret with all fast-growing churches. Okay, I'll tell you. It's a that. secret. You're, you're going to tell it right here. Yeah. This is a- I'm going to tell it right here. Okay, here we go. If I lead you to Christ, it is it is for certain you will in one year bring at least four to fourteen friends. Okay, if I convince you as a Christian that my church is better than where you are and my speaker is a better speaker, you're probably in the lifetime at your church going to bring no more than one or two guests on average. Now there there are exceptions; you would think of them right away. But I'll just tell you that it's those who have an impacting conversion that begin to include their friends that, that grows a church. Because uh, instead of growing by addition, churches that do outreach well grow by multiplication. That's great. That's a great fact. That's great. And it's it's you know it it is it is a hard task to get an outreach momentum going. But it's a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's probably what we should have you uh, uh, talk about in in next month's magazine, <laughs> Doug. Sure. Uh, yeah. Or uh, or on a future podcast, um, Doug. It, it, Doug is an, an, an accomplished author, and uh, you can find more out about Doug at dougmurinradio.com. And uh, now, how often do you publish a new uh, radio broadcast, Doug? It looks like you're publishing quite often. Every every week, I have a new show, mm-hmm. and I'm 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 about to start a second radio format that is uh, that a lot of your listeners probably never heard of them. But uh, Paul Harvey had this thing called the rest of the story. Oh, I love the rest of the story. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do the Christian version of that. And oh, I'm, that's awesome. I'm writing scripts now, but I'm going to go to FM radio with that. Great. So, but my weekly show is just one day a week, and if my website at dougmurinradio.com, you, all the shows are there mm-hmm. on, in podcast form, and a lot of them are past messages I've given or I've gone in the studio, their interviews. But uh, you know, I I was pretty ill a little over a year ago, and everybody wrote me on and said, "No, I I think I'm supposed to go back to radio," and. Uh, it was, you know, everybody looked at me like you need to, you need to relax. But I, I got so many people interested in backing me. I thought, well, I'm going to do it. So that's what I'm doing good. most of the time now. I don't, uh, I don't get out and do a lot of live stuff. Though I'm about ready to do that. Well, I tell you what, the the stuff you're recording at DougMearRadio.com sounds great, and uh, with your history and your expertise, there's a lot of people that can be that can benefit from that. So I'm I'm really super thankful that you had took the time to. Uh, record with us here at uh, Church Growth Magazine. And uh, for those of you listening, we'll put some information in the show notes about how to reach Doug and learn more about what he's doing. So, uh, Doug, thank you so much for joining me today. 
Thank you, Brian. I really appreciate the opportunity. No, you're great. You're so awesome. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time here at Church Growth Magazine.